if I'm getting really selfish, I've realized 14 years in, I don't want to do all the things. That's Amy Porterfield. You may know her as an online marketing expert. She's also an entrepreneur who has built an eight-figure business. And one of the things she realized along the way is that she couldn't do it without delegation. When I came to the realization that I don't want to be in all those meetings, I don't want to have my hands in every project we work on, I would like some more freedom. I'd like to enjoy my life because I built a business so I could enjoy my life. Hi, I'm Joel Miller, Chief Product Officer here at Full Focus. And in my role, I talk to a lot of small business owners, and I think what Amy said there is spot on. Most of the business owners I talk to say that they built their business so they could enjoy their life. And if there is one thing that interferes with that, it is the struggle to properly delegate. Because if you cannot scale yourself, you can't scale your business. And one of the only ways to do that, besides building your own capacity, is adding the capacity of others. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. We're going to have a conversation with our founder and chairman, Michael Hyatt, along with our CEO, Megan Hyatt-Miller, about three mistakes that business owners regularly make in delegating. Then we'll pick up our conversation with Amy Porterfield and find out how she was able to grow her business by learning to be a better delegator herself. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack for any new planner subscri subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on yeah. your Stanley mug? And if are you got them, them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are going to be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. But they're great. Good. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's huge. like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program. We're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more. Business Accelerator is not just a podcast. It's also a small business coaching program, and Full Focus has actually coached, at this point, thousands of small business owners on how to scale themselves and their businesses. A key part of that is delegation. And what Michael and Megan are going to talk about in this segment of the show are three areas where business owners regularly get delegation wrong. These are the kind of things that will trip you up and prevent you, prevent you from growing your business. Let's get into it. You know, when we have new clients join our Business Accelerator coaching program, we ask them to tell us some of their pain points when they're coming in. And I get to see all these in a spreadsheet that the team sends me because I record videos for our new clients. And one of the things that I see almost as often as anything else, maybe the most often, is people report, business owners report, that they are struggling with delegation, you know, that they feel like... On the one hand, they're overwhelmed. On the other hand, they've probably had some very frustrating experiences with delegation, delegation gone wrong. Uh, maybe they had the wrong person in place. And as a result, they feel like they need the help, but they're struggling to let go. It's really difficult. So this is just one of those things that comes up all the time for business owners. The good news is 
This is totally fixable. I had a conversation recently with somebody about this and she was sharing some of the difficulties she'd had in delegating before and like it takes too long and you know, I could just do it faster myself and all that. And I was like, wait, there's this whole other side to it I can't wait to tell you about. And so it really is fixable. And so today we're gonna be talking about three mistakes that leaders make with delegation and really what to do to uh, combat this. Dad, what do you think about delegation? Uh, Generally, I'm for it. (laughs) <laughs> me too but I wasn't always good at it and I think I I suffered from some of the same things our clients suffer from and that is that I had sort of a inflated view of my own ability mm-hmm. like this thing I'm doing is not delegatable because nobody can do it like I do it and I think that's pretty common and I think uh, the challenge for us as leaders is this are we smart enough to deliver a result through another person without yeah. having to do it, do it ourselves. That's, that's the real challenge. Can we train somebody? Can we give them what they need to succeed and do the result as well as or better than we could do it ourselves? To me, that's the measure of leadership. And that's the whole challenge of leadership. So if we could learn to do this, what would be possible for our business? What would be possible for our personal lives if we could learn to delegate better and really take advantage of the the God-given talent that other people uh, bring to the table. Well, and you can kind of see that multiplication potential when you say that, because certainly as a, as a business owner, like you're probably great at, at delivering results. That's what you do. That's why you've ended up where you are is because of your ability to produce results. But if you could produce results through the work of other people, if you could link your thinking and your ideation and your vision to other people, now all of a sudden the potential becomes limitless. And that's really exciting because, you know, you always say, dad, that if your dream isn't big enough to need a team, your dream isn't big enough. And I think we're talking to people on the Business Accelerator podcast who have big dreams, who have a big vision. And the question is, how do you make that vision come to life? And and the answer is you're going to need other people. So that's what we're going to dig into. Okay, so three mistakes leaders make with delegation. First mistake, they don't value their own time. And and the, the problem with this is they literally don't know what an hour of their time is worth. And that's why we encourage people to figure that out, to do the calculus. And it's really simple, and this is rough justice. But essentially, if you take two weeks of vacation, you don't work on the weekends, you're going to work about 2,000 hours a year. So if you take your annual salary, or if you're a business owner, your owner distributions or what you take out of the business, and you divide that by 2,000, that will give you your hourly um, wage. And so the thing that you don't want to do is you wouldn't pay somebody that was not you the kind of money that you're probably earning to do some of the tasks that you're doing. So for example, let's say that you're making $100 an hour. That's your your wage. Would you pay somebody $100 an hour to manage your calendar or to manage your inbox or to do basic research for you? I don't think so. So then why are you doing it now? Because if you're doing it yourself and refuse to delegate it, that's essentially what you're paying for it. It's a very expensive way to do business. Well, and it's not that those other other tasks aren't valuable. You know, I think that sometimes we can feel like when we're handing things off for delegation, it's because like it's the little piddly work, you know, and like we're just sort of saying that's beneath us. And that is really not the case. This Things like, for example, managing your calendar are critically important for you being able to succeed. It's just that you're not the only person that can do that work. And that's part of the reason as the business owner that ultimately, um, you know, you're making more money than everybody else in your company is because the, the thing that only you can do is the most scarce. 
you know, you can have more people that can do other things that have that level of proficiency and expertise and so forth. And so it's kind of a stewardship question at the end of the day. You know, if you think about this, like, you know, we're obviously people of faith and and we feel like, you know, our time is given to us in stewardship and our job is to make it more than, than what it came to us as, you know, to really have a return on that investment. And as a business owner, you would never overpay someone by two or three times that amount to do uh, to do their work because that would just be bad stewardship of the resources of your company. And the same is true with our own time. We just don't value it like we would value other people's time, you know, because we tell ourselves these little stories like we can just get it done faster or it'll be easier. You don't want to ask somebody to do it or something like that. Yeah, this uh, reminds me of, of something I read when I was in college by a, a man by the name of Dawson Trotman. And he said, I purpose never to do anything that others could or would do when there was so much of importance to be done that others could not or would not do. Mm-hmm. And I, that pretty much says it all. And I think that as you're thinking about, and we've talked on the show before about your freedom compass, where your passion and your proficiency come together, those we call your desire zone activities. And that's where, as a business leader, you need to be focused and increasingly focused. This isn't a one and done kind of thing. It's a journey. You'll get better at this over time. But in order to focus on those things where you have passion and proficiency, and our underlying premise there is that's where you're going to make your greatest contribution. In order to do that, you've got to be able to delegate. And that means you've got to value your time. One of the things about this this whole thing, Megan, is that uh, when leaders hold on to work that others could do more economically, it essentially costs them twice. Mm-hmm. First, because they're paying too much money for, for work that others could do less expensively. But second, it's keeping them from their best and their highest use. It's kind of like if you have a, a portfolio of clients and you end up spending all your time on the low-profit, high-maintenance clients, that's not going to help you succeed. And, and worse, those clients are sucking up so much time and energy and focus that it keeps you from going out and finding more of your ideal clients that are high profit, low maintenance. Yeah, this is a really big point. I'm not sure that we've ever said this in exactly this way. Like we've talked a lot about the idea of um, the value of your time and this idea that, you know, you're, you're overpaying essentially for work that needs to be done. That's important work by doing it yourself. And we've also talked about that it keeps you from, that work keeps you from your highest and best use. But I've never thought about it in these terms of you're paying twice. And I think that's really sobering because one of the things we also hear from prospective clients in particular all the time is that they just feel like they don't have enough time for the work that matters. You know, they're, they will often use language like, I feel like I'm just firefighting all the time, or I feel like I'm dealing with so many urgent things that I don't have time for the things that are important, but not urgent. And you, you understand why in a pretty stark way when you think about this from both perspectives. And I, I think hopefully that's helpfully, helpful to motivate all of us to be more serious about this. I mean, again, back to that idea of stewardship. Well, I think that one of the ways to think about this is that if you're having trouble because you think you can't afford an executive assistant, for example, or somebody else that you could delegate to, think of it this way. What would it make possible for the growth of your business, for the profitability of your business, if you could stay focused on the things that that really bring in the revenue and drive growth, whether it's sales calls, client presentations, lead generation, whatever it is. If you could do more of that, you would more than pay for that person you're you're hiring. And I'm not a big fan of just going out willy-nilly and hiring a bunch of people. But I think in this case, the great thing about hiring an executive assistant, for example, is that uh, you could start that on a part-time basis or as little as 10 hours a week and prove to yourself that when you delegate, it frees you up to do other things that generate revenue, which pays for that person And when I did that, I continued to escalate their hours because it was more than paying for it. I was getting a big return on the investment. So I just continued to do it until I had an executive assistant that was full-time, and then I hired another person and another person and so forth. Well, and ROI is really the way to look at that because you would never tolerate people in your company making an investment where you paid twice as much as you got out of it. 
yeah. or three times as much as you got out of it, unless you were making some kind of long-term play that you knew was going to take a while, you know, to come to fruition. Otherwise, you would never do that. You would cut that off as quickly as you could because there would, it would make no sense to go on. And I just, I think that's why this mistake is so common because we don't think about our time like this as business owners, but we've got to because we are the most finite resource in our whole company. Uh, and where our time goes, the business will go. And we got to be serious about that. You will like how you said that. Let's go to mistake number two. Second mistake that leaders make when it comes to delegation is they don't communicate the necessary details. And in short, they expect people to read their mind. Yeah, I've done this so many times. <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at delegation over the years, but I've certainly have had moments where I have made this mistake either because I'm moving too fast or I really would just love it if people would read my mind. But this is usually, if we kind of deconstruct it, this is usually where our frustration with delegation comes in. When when I hear new clients say something to me like, yeah, I've tried that delegation thing before and it just didn't work for me. If you start peeling back those onion layers, what you find is that usually the explicit communication about what it is that you want someone to go do was inadequate, um, either because you didn't articulate it well or completely on the front end, or you didn't give that person the opportunity to ask questions. Um, and they really weren't set up for success. And they just kind of had to guess their way through. And depending on what kind of a relationship that they have with you and how much they understand you, that may have been more or less successful. And so I, I think sometimes people just give up on this because they have a bad experience like that, when in, in reality, it's it's the fault of the person doing the delegating that they didn't get what they wanted out of the experience. And in fact, I would say that whenever you get a result that you don't like, that kind of leaves you nonplussed, that doesn't leave you excited, then the place to go is to look in the mirror and say, what didn't I make clear? Because what is intuitively obvious to you is not to anybody else or rarely to anybody else. You take it for granted because you suffer from the curse of familiarity. You're so familiar with the work, you just know it. Like I I had uh, not long ago, one of our designers prepare something for me and uh, the type was too small. Well, I didn't specify that the type needed to be larger. It was about nine point and it needed to be 11 point. But here's the thing, I assumed and kind of stupid when I say it out loud, I kind of assumed that everybody had spent decades in the book publishing industry and knew what the standards were. And Not and, so much. <laughs> and she didn't. She was just doing what she thought looked good to her eye. And it did look pleasing to the eye, but I just thought it'd be more, it'd be easier to read if it was larger. And that probably betrays my age too. But we can't take for granted that people have the same context. They have the same experience. They have the same education. Even you know, values. None of, this, none of that's true. And so we've got to be, and this is the key word, explicit, over-communicate. I think a lot of times we have expectations that are implicit. You know, we sort of hint at them or we think based on people's past experience with us, they should know. And certainly in our own mind, you know, they're clear, but we don't actually get it out of our mouth and say it explicitly. And that really sets up for sets ourselves up for disappointment, but it also sets the person we've delegated to up for total failure because they don't have the components they need to put this thing together. You know, I um, I think about travel. This is one of those things that I hear from people. I don't want to delegate travel. You know, I just I know where I like to sit on the plane. I know what I like. By the time I communicate all that, I could just book the travel myself. You know, and this is where the efficiency comes from doing it thoroughly once. And then iterating if needed. But if you were to explain, for example, to your executive assistant, you know, I really like to get off the plane quickly. This is totally hypothetical. You know, I wouldn't say this is true for myself. Um, you know, I'm not a very good waiter. And so I like to be at the front of the plane. I like to uh, be in the first three rows. I like to be on the outside so I can step, you know, stand up first, again, hypothetically. Um, and I like to make sure that I leave um, not too early in the morning where I have to leave my house, you know, before I would normally wake up. And I 
want to get home before my kids are in bed for the night if I have to travel for work. You know, these are things like I've communicated with Elizabeth, she knows. And so she's able to then book that. She doesn't have to say, where do you want to sit and which airlines do you like? And, you know, do you want the the flight that leaves at 5 a.m. or the flight that leaves at 9 a.m.? Because she already has that criteria because I went through the process of articulating that explicitly to her so that when I delegate, can you book this trip to South Carolina? She knows all those things and she doesn't even have to ask anymore. That is so good. Well, this is exactly why we developed a tool called the Vision Caster. We developed it for our coaching clients, but it basically does a couple of things. You are forced to reduce to writing what it is that you expect and what it is that you want. Now, there's something about writing that forces clarity. And too often, we have sort of this ambiguous notion, and we're not explicit about getting it out. And I think of, you know, beginning, for example, a, a home renovation. You know, if you just said to the, uh, to the contractor, you know, make it pretty, go. And you didn't give any more direction that? No, typically what you would do is you hire an architect who pulls out of you your kind of your thinking for each room and kind of the style that you want and reduces it to a set of drawings so that there is uh, alignment between you, the architect, and the contractor so that when you get to the end of the, the process, you don't walk into a house that's completely different than what you imagined. But the same thing needs to happen when it comes to delegations that we make at work. So in the vision caster, we have you describe in a few sentences what it is that you want to achieve, then state why it's important. This is really important because it gives the delegate needed context. And sometimes when they can understand the why of it, then all of a sudden they can understand what to do next. Then it becomes intuitively obvious to them too. So when I say, for example, uh, in this case with one of our designers, I said, you have to remember that our coaching clients are typically late 40s, 50s, 60s, at that point where they start wearing reading glasses and you can't have the type too small. So that's one of the whys that's just like, oh, okay, now I get it. And so it makes it easy for her or for anybody else to be able to get me what I want because they understand the context, they understand what's why it's important. Like in my example with the travel, when I can share with Elizabeth that I'm trying to not leave too early in the morning because I don't want to compromise my sleep and then have to show up for, you know, some meeting with clients or somebody else tired. I won't be able to do my best. And then when I explain that I don't want to come home late, I want to try my best to be home by the time my kids are, are in bed. You know, obviously that would only work if it was a short flight, but assuming that were the case, I, I really value consistency and being present with my kids. And so it means a lot to be able to be home in time to put them down to bed or, you know, to give them a hug and a kiss because they miss me. When she has that context, as she's trying to find options for flights, for example, or when she, if I'm, if I were speaking somewhere and, you know, we're agreeing on a time, she's got those constraints in mind and most importantly, the why, and she can advocate for that. And that's so helpful. If I didn't tell her that, she could say, well, you know, this flight was cheaper. So I, I chose that when it might have violated one of my other constraints. And that way she knows what's the biggest priority. Last thing on the vision caster is we get, uh, help people get clear on what outcome they want. In other words, define the win in advance so that, that you're clear on the win, the delegate's clear on the win, and you're both committed to producing the win. So that's the value of a, of a tool like that. You can use our tool, you could just write your answers down to this. But I don't do this for every delegation. Like, you know, Jim and I have worked, Jim, my assistant and I have worked together for seven years. So there's a lot of things that are intuitively obvious to him now because he's been working with me so long. But on, on the bigger delegations, the things that might be new, that's where I get really explicit. Well, and one little hack, we're going to give you guys a way to download this tool, this Vision Caster tool. You can give it a, a, a try yourself. But sometimes the easiest thing to do before you get to the important features, you know, what kind of needs to be included and so forth, to, to think of the outcomes first. Because you can kind of solve backwards sometimes more easily than you can solve forwards. If you if you know where you're headed, then you can answer the question, okay, what, what are the important features once you know what the end state is and, and the consequence of that end state? Um, so that's one of the things I've found to be really helpful when using this tool, which I use all the time.
Okay, let's go to the third mistake. And this is the last one we're going to talk about today. But leaders don't communicate the level of responsibility. That's another reason that delegations fail. They're not clear about the authority that they're handing off to the person they've asked to do uh, this task. And so then they get the assignment back and they're frustrated that the person has either taken too much authority or not taken enough authority, but it really kind of comes back to us. Again, we have to look in the mirror. By the way, I was reminded, Megan, as I was thinking about this, of a dog trainer that we've used and you've used, who said to us when we picked up our last puppy, she said, uh, look, if Winston goes to the bathroom in the house, you know, we've, we've trained him best we can to not do that. But if he goes in the house, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a newspaper and I want you to roll it up really tight. And then I want you to hit yourself in the forehead because <laughs> it's your fault. Oh, that's funny. You know, because you didn't take him out or give him a chance to go to the bathroom. So the same thing is true here. You know, that you have to begin with yourself. If a delegation is failing, then you have to look in the mirror. You have to hit yourself in the forehead with a newspaper because it all starts with you. The real question is, where will you get that newspaper anymore? <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> hard to find a newspaper these days. I love that, though. Unfortunately, that is true. I wish it wasn't true. Um, but in my experience, when I have had a failed delegation and I wish somebody either took more or less ownership, it was because I had not explicitly communicated exactly what I wanted from them at the end of the process. And that's consistent with what I hear from clients as well. And the, the great thing is in this vision caster tool, there are four options at the bottom of the sheet that you can just check one of. And it's important when you're using a vision caster, when you've articulated all this stuff explicitly, you don't just sort of want to like lob this thing over the fence at the person you're delegating to. You want to set up a meeting with them and walk them through so that they can ask questions and you can answer those questions and clarify where maybe you wouldn't have seen that there needed to be clarification. But you also want to go over these um, levels of responsibility and make sure they really understand that so that that part doesn't just kind of get lost in the shuffle. So here are the options. Number one, execute exactly as detailed. So you're basically going to provide the recipe and you want somebody to go make this cake exactly like it is in the cookbook. Okay, Don't so that's be creative. Yeah, do not get creative. Just do exactly what I've asked you to do. The next one is to research and provide options for approval. Now, I love this one because... Um, I, I don't have time to do a lot of the research that is necessary for decision making, but I know how important that is. And I also know that whoever I'm delegating to, like if I have something I'm delegating that's marketing related or sales related, Courtney, who's our chief revenue officer, she is going to be the, the most well-equipped to make a recommendation back to me. And in general, usually I'll go along with that recommendation, not always, but probably like 75% of the time those recommendations, I will choose one of, and that will be how we'll proceed. So that's a second option, research and provide options for approval. Then there's also execute as you see fit and update me. So maybe you don't feel the need to be involved in the process. You have a lot of trust in this person. You just want to know what they decided. Maybe you delegate something like choosing Christmas gifts for your clients, and you don't need to know you don't need to be involved in that process and approve it because maybe that's just not something that you're particularly passionate about or good at. But you do want to know when your clients say, thank you so much for that amazing whatever, whatever. You want to be informed so that you can sound like you know what you're talking about. That's that's what I do uh, when mom buys Christmas gifts for the kids and the grandkids. <laughs> I said, hey, could you tell me what we got them? How do we get them? So that I'm not surprised with them when they open the present. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that really um, reveals that you weren't involved at that point. So yeah. <laughs> and then the last one is to execute as you see fit, no update required. So this would be a situation where you ask, um, you know, for somebody to, to decline an invitation or to send a gift or to go create a policy for something. And you know, you don't even need to know what they decided. You just know it needs to be handled. And so you don't need any update. You just want them to execute as they see fit. No update required. One of the things that is helpful here, if you are new to delegating or maybe you've had negative experiences and it's not been a place where you've gained a lot of confidence yet, it's good to not start with execute as you see fit, no update required. That's sort of like helpful down the road, but I think you want to kind of 
put some scaffolding in place, both for the benefit of the person that you're developing this new delegation relationship with, but also for yourself, that you make sure you give yourself some wins. So you uh, have positive experiences with delegation. So make sure whatever you pick, it shouldn't all be executed exactly as detailed because that can become micromanagey. But you wanna, we wanna try some of these research and provide options for approval and execute as you see fit and update me, play around with those a little bit and see what comes back. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised if you avoid these three mistakes. Just again, these are included in the Vision Caster tool. By the way, for those of you who have read Free to Focus, we called this the five levels of delegation, but we're constantly trying to improve and reduce redundancy. So we combined two of those levels, which is why it's now the four levels of delegation. So consider this the new, improved, more economical version. So to review, the three mistakes that business owners and leaders make with delegation are first, that they don't value their own time. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that they don't communicate necessary details. And mistake number three is that they don't communicate the level of responsibility. We're going to transition to that conversation with Amy Porterfield in just a minute, but I want to come back to something that Michael and Megan said and just bring it back home for us for a moment. It's entirely possible that as a as a business owner, you're an effective delegator. You do a regularly a good job of things like communicating your vision and following up and all of the block and tackling of effective delegation. But go back to that point about knowing your rate. Almost every small business owner I talk to in the Business Accelerator Coaching Program, when they come in through the front door, they struggle with this basic point. And I think this is probably universal. One of the things that's true about small business owners is that they're product people. They're people that know their product, they know their customer, and they are willing to do pretty much anything to get one into the hands of the other. And because of that, they over-function in some pretty key areas. And the truth is, they need it to overfunction. You need it to overfunction to get your business up and off the ground. That's totally reasonable. That's how you get things going. But on the back end, it starts to cost you because what you realize is that once you know your rate, you are overpaying for a lot of your own services. And in reality, you are denying your business your best and highest value. Instead, those low leverage tasks need to be delegated out. You may already be delegating some of them, but I bet holding on to a few others. And if you give some scrutiny to your task list, if you give a little attention to your calendar, you'll probably see right now that you're holding on to work that really ought to go to someone else so you no longer deprive your business of your best and highest value. We'll hear one example of a small business owner applying these kinds of learnings in our conversation with Amy Porterfield. That's up next. Marissa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for your best year ever live coming up January 5th. Yes, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Yes, this is the event that you would want to come attend if you're just like, man, I want to look at how well did I do in the past, but I also want to set myself up for success to have, like we call it in the title, your best year ever. This is the event you want to be at. We have thousands of people coming to this event yes. already. And you and I will be emceeing this event. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to come join us to make it a great year for you. Yes. Now, in order for you to receive it, all you have to do is buy the full focus goal setting course and you get a ticket to your best year ever. Yes. And the best part is that that course is 25% off right now. So... Uh, you're going to get a discount and a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197. That's a killer so deal. It's a killer deal. It's a no brainer in my opinion. Um, but definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or, um, you know, whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to, you can do this from the comfort of your own home and we'll be right there. Yeah. And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can. And the best part, it's a free event for you yeah. if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course. Yes. 
All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at your best driver live. We're back and it's time to pick up that conversation with Amy Porterfield. I'm excited about this because Amy has been a friend of Full Focus for years. She's a user and advocate of the Full Focus Planner. And she also has a brand new book out called Two Weeks Notice. Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want, and change the world. You can find out about it at twoweeksnoticebook.com. But now let's jump into our conversation on delegation. Amy, as a business owner, how are you with delegation? Like on a day-to-day basis right now, how do you do with delegation? Right now, 14 years into my business, I think I'm really, really good with delegation because I've built a strong team that I trust. But if you would have asked me that five, 10 years ago, I'd say I struggled with it. I really struggled with delegation for many, many years, thinking I could do it better than them. Yeah. Tell what kind of struggles did you have? Yeah. So that was the first one. I had this limiting belief that I could do it better because when I first started my business, it was just me for the first year. I did everything. And then I got a virtual assistant that helped me with some of the admin, but I still had my hands in everything. I used to edit every single video I've ever created. And I did that for probably six, seven years. I can't even believe how long I did that. I would do all my social media, write all my email copy. And so what happened was when I started to bring people in slowly but surely and give them these tasks, I was terrible at training them. I I would think that give them a few links, do a 30 minute meeting with them to tell them the lay of the land. They're, They're competent. I hired them for a reason. They can figure it out which is so unfair. So I wouldn't even give them a a chance to get up and running quickly. And then when they didn't do it the way I wanted, I would take it over. I was a terrible delegator in the early years. All that pain led me to really figuring it out where I am today, but I made many mistakes. Any particular memory of a delegation gone just horrifically, like Friday the 13th level wrong? Absolutely. It was a $20,000 delegating mistake. So many years ago, I hired somebody to create surveys in our business. And quite honestly, I made the the mistake that someone told me, you got to spend the money. It's near the end of the year. In order to save money on taxes, you better spend more money, which now I do not operate like that, but I really bought into it. And so I thought, I got to spend money fast. And this woman approached me. She said, I can build all these surveys out so you can understand your ideal customer avatar better. We could use these surveys throughout the year. I've got the software. I've got the content. I'll do it for you. And it's $20,000. And at the time, that was a lot of money for me to spend. So I said yes, and I hired her on, and then I gave the task to one of my project managers on my team. And I said, call her up, ask her what she's going to do. I'm really excited about this. It was expensive, so we gotta do a good job. Go for it. Then I didn't tell her anything else. I didn't give her my vision. I didn't even check in on her, and I just assumed she was going to run with it. The truth is that I didn't really wanna do the project, and I felt a little bit pressured to to spend the money and get it going. It was an area of my business that was weak, so I knew we needed to do it, but I wasn't really excited about it, so I just pushed it off to someone thinking, I'm a great delegator, and then I never checked in. Six months later, zero surveys had ever gone out. There was no structure that was built. And I was so frustrated at this employee. And this employee came back to me and said, Amy, I have reached out to you so many times trying to get feedback. I've asked the questions and you've kind of darted around them. I didn't even realize it. And she said, I do not have enough to go off of. And this has been a nightmare experience. And that girl ended up leaving my company. And she was a really great employee. My lack of support and just setting up the project from the get-go, because it was my idea, it was my vision, my lack of communication, all of that. Not only did I lose $20,000, a survey was never created for the record from this woman. (laughs) Not only did I lose $20,000, I lost an employee. And I think that was one of the first times that I realized, whoa, I need to do this differently. What did you do differently? How did you come to improve? 
So in my business, we've created SOPs on how we onboard contractors, new employees, how we communicate on new projects. We literally have a template. If there's a new project that we're communicating to anyone on the team, we use this template with all the details. And we have a philosophy in my team that you slow down to speed up. So anything that needs, any new project that needs to get done where you're hiring someone to do it for you so you are delegating, you are responsible. We don't just pass the monkey and just think, okay, now it's yours, go. There's an entire system of how we start a project and how we communicate. And we live and die by this now because we've made so many mistakes. And so I think these systems and processes are exactly how we are onboarding new projects and new employees and new contractors in a way that once once they get the project, they 100% hit the ground running. That's part of what Michael would talk about in, say, providing the vision for somebody for something like within a, a vision caster document. Then you're talking, though, along uh, the lines of additional processes to help make that vision come true. Tell us a little bit more about those. Yes. So we use the project management tool Asana, A-S-A-N-A. So Asana is something that before, let's say we're going to hire a contractor to work on a project. Let's say it's a video editor and we're going to delegate all the editing to this person. The first thing we do is ask them, are you willing to work inside of our project management tool? Because some people are not, and that really wrecks havoc on our systems. So first we get the buy-off that they are. And then from there, we actually send them a video of how we do projects within Asana so that they understand when they're going to see the project show up, the uh, due dates, all the different tasks that go along with it. So we make sure that they actually know how to use the systems that we will be using to communicate with them through Asana and Slack. We do not email internally in my company. So we also let the contractor know we will not be communicating with you through email. Are you okay with that? So we do a lot of great communication and buy-off in the beginning or buy-in in the beginning so that we're all on the same page. And then from there, we make sure that we also have regular meetings with the people that we've delegated to. And so they could request a meeting if need be, or we have a standing every other week kind of meeting. So for us, the communication is everything. So it starts with that vision caster for sure, but then it goes into what are the systems we're using? Do you understand them? Are you good with them? And then constant communication with them throughout. It all ultimately comes down to a version of There's implicit knowledge in my head that I must make explicit to you, the delegate, so that you can then do something with this thing that I have in mind. Yes, absolutely. What has been the key discovery for you uh, in improving your delegation that has taught you about your leadership? Like, What have you learned about your leadership through delegation? There's a few things. If, If I'm getting really selfish, I've realized 14 years in, I don't want to do all the things. When I came to the realization that I don't want to be in all those meetings, I don't want to have my hands in every project we work on, I would like some more freedom. I'd like to enjoy my life because I built a business so I could enjoy my life. So as a leader, if if I took looked at it selfishly, like what's in it for me, there's a lot of freedom when I build up a team that I feel comfortable and confident in delegating. So that's kind of like the, the cherry on the top. But if I kind of go a little bit deeper, I am very aware that I am not always the best person for the job. This is something that I've learned as a leader. I've matured over the years, realizing it might be in my voice, but my copywriter, Emery, could absolutely write a better conversion email than I can today. That wasn't always the case, but because we've poured into her, because we believe in her, because we give her the training that she needs, she has absolutely become better than me. And I'm proud of that. That's a little mindset shift. My ego went from, I'm so good at everything and I'm the best, to a mature leader, which is, I'm so proud that we built a team that's better than me and thriving and look what we're able to do. So I really do think it's been some mindset shifts. One, I want more freedom. So I need more people that can do things better than me. Two, I can let go of my ego and believe that they can absolutely do it better than me. Then I also know I'm on a mission to change lives. I've got big things to do and we have a lot of projects going on. If I had my hand in everything, I'd be the chokehold everywhere. 
But if I actually spend the time training the people that need to be trained so that they can take over whatever I want to delegate, then I'm actually getting to do all the things I want to do in my business without having my hands in everything. So it's probably the one, one of the most important skills to perfect, to hone into, to really pay attention to your ability to delegate. This is uh, the difference between a small game and a big game. If you are the one person able to do the one thing in your business, you have just given yourself the the capacity of what is possible. It is whatever you can churn out in 24 hours. Exactly. And if you can instead bring together a team that has similar, if not greater capacities in terms of the abilities that you have, plus now all those extra brains, all those extra hands, you're gonna be able to play a much bigger game. And I love that. I'm, I'm all about playing a bigger game. And, and I think you've totally hit it on the head there. If you want to stop playing small, if you're looking to make more money, if you're looking to make a bigger impact, then it cannot be just you. And not only that, you might look around and say, no, I've got a team. But do you still believe you're the best of the best to do all the things? It's a mindset shift as much as the mechanics of how to delegate. In your book, Two Weeks Notice, you talk about boss traps. And one of those boss traps is the superwoman syndrome. Yes. That would seem to actually play into this conversation about delegation pretty closely. Yeah, superwoman or superman, depending on who's listening, is this idea that you think you are the only one who can do it or you do it best, exactly what we're talking about. And I call that a boss trap because as the boss, if you lead like that, imagine what your employees feel like. Imagine the fact that they can never measure up to you. They'll never be good enough for you because you believe that you're the one who can do it the best. So I really do believe to create a beautiful culture in your business, your employees need to believe that they can be the best at what they're doing and that you're going to trust them by giving them the project and being there to support. That's another thing I've learned along the way as a leader. When you delegate, when I used to work for Tony Robbins, he never used to use the word delegate. He used the word leverage. And the reason he used the word leverage is because delegate, sometimes you could say you, you give it away and then you're like, my hands are done. I'm, I'm moving on where that is absolutely not the way that I would ever delegate. Uh, this idea of leverage is I'm going to give this to you, but I'm also here to support. I'm also here to check in with, and I'd like to give you some feedback and guidance if I see that this is getting off course. I'm the leader. I'm the owner of the company and they deserve that kind of feedback. But you have to give them just enough rope to kind of run with and do their thing and make their mistakes. That's another thing. When they do make mistakes, because they it always happens that something you delegated, I had to learn to be very careful not to take it back. I yeah. had to learn not to get in there, fix it all, and then say, well, next time you can do it, uh, I'll let you do it better, but I got to get in there and fix it. Let them fix it with your guidance. I think that was another way that I learned to be a better delegator. You know, it seems to me that business owners make mistakes all the time. Yeah. We just know how to ignore them or brush <laughs> over them or whatever. But when our teammates make mistakes also, very naturally, we somehow are hypersensitive to their mistakes, whereas we are really almost immune to recognizing our own. That is such great insight. You're absolutely right. And imagine how an employee feels if you're not giving them the room to make the mistakes. I think the leader, the best type of leader, they help that employee learn from the mistake. They don't forget it or ignore it or anything like that, but they also don't make it be like the biggest thing that's gonna happen. Cause I can promise you that employee is not going to be as excited to jump into the next project if they're scared about getting in trouble right. or letting you down. So the superwoman syndrome or superman syndrome, that's one boss trap. Are there other kinds of traps that business owners that we maybe haven't talked about already that business owners get into with delegation? Another boss trap that can happen with delegation is actually giving the task to an employee and then washing your hands of it. And the reason why this is so dangerous is because that employee, they might need some feedback from you. They might actually welcome your insight. And if you're so quick to give it away and just say, run with it, 
and God forbid they don't do it the way you want, they are so hesitant to jump into the next project. And so what I always say to my team, because a lot of my team are delegating to other people, is that make sure that they always know they have a lifeline in you. Make sure they always know they can come back and ask for that feedback. So delegation is a tricky thing, and I'm so glad we're talking about it, because it's never actually very easy to do. There's this fine line of doing too much, where you're involved too much, or you're involved too little. So I think as a leader, we find that that middle ground where we feel really comfortable delegating, but also being an amazing support to the people that you delegate to. And so the boss trap is just letting it go and not looking back. I don't really think the best results come from that. All right, final question. If you could counsel business owners listening in right now on just one thing about delegation, what would it be? Check your ego. I think so much of the mistakes we make with delegation is as leaders, our egos are too big in the moment. We either think that we can do it so much better than anything else so we don't delegate, or we take it back when someone messes up so our ego is kind of taking over, or we just wanna be free of it so we don't even support it after it's been delegated. I think ego has so much to do with proper delegation, so check your ego at the door. Amy Porterfield, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, my friend. What I love about these two conversations is that they're essentially about growth. If you want to grow your business, you have to grow your capacity through the capacity of others. And that requires becoming an effective delegator. Michael and Megan shared three ways that a lot of us are maybe doing it wrong right now. Maybe these are some basics that we're missing. And Amy Porterfield came along and she talked to us about like her lessons learned along the way. Let these two conversations inspire you as a business owner to get intentional about your delegation, to cover those bases, but also extend your skills and your reach so that you can grow your business the way you want to. That's it for this episode of the Business Accelerator Podcast. One of the ways you can find out more about delegation is in the Business Accelerator Coaching Program. If you're a business owner and you're interested in learning more about the Business Accelerator Coaching Program, go to businessaccelerator.com coach. We help busy but growth-minded small business owners just like you scale yourself and your business so you can win at work and succeed at life. It's what we call the double win. And if you're interested in experiencing that for yourself, just go to businessaccelerator.com slash coach. That's it. We'll be back next week with more conversations to help you accelerate your business. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on your Stanley mug? And if you got them them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. They're great. great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. um, And this is going to be $75 off. And you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program, we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. 
Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more.